Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. Well, amen. I'm so, uh, I'm so thankful for uh, Jim and, uh, and Alex and John and uh, Ryan and uh, Josh and the rest of the staff here. Uh, my face may be familiar uh, to you from uh, this COVID season being online, and I'm so thankful uh, to be in the house here at Lake Orion today. You know, you guys have um, some of the best pastors uh, within our, our whole church family. And I'm so thankful that uh, Jim has given me the opportunity to speak this morning. We had a whole bunch of shuffles. Originally this weekend, I was going to be at our Troy campus speaking, and then I was going down to Detroit to speak, and then got um, the opportunity to come up here to Lake Orion. And um, this is what I want to say about that. We have an absolutely amazing team. And not only at uh, your campus here of Lake Orion, but across all of our campuses, God is doing some absolutely amazing and astonishing things. And as I've seen God work in um, your church campus over the last uh, several years that I've been on staff, I've been thrilled to see, even in this season, how you as a church family are coming together. And whether you're here in the building or you're joining us online, we want to say um, welcome, that you belong here at Woodside, that we are family, and God is abundantly working. So thanks. You know, Pops this morning alluded um, to our text in Psalm 124, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn um, there today. Our text today speaks uh, to our fears, and honestly, it does so in a very interesting way. It's a psalm this morning that is very creative and above all super um, helpful that you and I get to, to walk through. One of the most common features of the human uh, psyche and condition is our ability to imagine disaster, the what if. And if you're a parent, um, you are familiar with the following kinds of conversations where uh, your child comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I'm scared. And you say, well, what are you scared of? And they say, Mom, that the spider is going to bite me or that everyone is going to make fun of me when I get up and I give that presentation in middle school or high school. It's going to be really bad. Or, Mom, Dad, something might happen to you, and then what? I like going to grandmas and grandpas, but I don't want to be there for the rest of my life. But just like children... We as adults have this same fear and the same ability. Actually, in the years that I've pastored, I've counseled many who imagine disaster happening in their future. Psychologists actually call this catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is an irrational uh, thought where we are able to see things in the worst possible way. We are able to dream things and see things, envision them for the future that are absolutely terrible. So you go through a breakup, and as you go through this breakup, you sit back and you say, no one will ever love me again. How will anyone ever see who I really am? Or you go through a time where your children um, have uh, walked away from the Lord, and you pause and you say, they will never come back. You know, other times, um, this simple thing that you and I get wrapped up in called fear is actually not so simple of a thing. It's actually something that for most of us, uh, fears, unfortunately, uh, are things we cannot get rid of. 
They inform in our minds and they lead us to areas of regret and missed opportunities. I believe we could best describe fear as this, a false uh, reality appearing to be real. Right? This is what fear actually is, an acrostic, false evidence appearing to be real. And for many of us, the desperate kind of fear is when we realize that there are things that could happen or have happened that are out of our control, that there is nothing that we can do about. The source of fear can be attributed to so many different factors. It can be attributed to a lack of faith. It can be attributed to perception or lack of perception, validation, approval. Not too long ago, there were many months in my life that every time I failed at something, I would pause and say, why did I even try? I was so afraid of the unknown, the rejection, the disappointment. And that fear began to cripple me. I'm sure I'm not the only one seated here or watching online that feels that. Fear can by all means cripple our decision-making. It hinders our success, promotions, relationships, and the furthering of relationships. It actually can reduce our finances at times as well. And fear has something that you and I just can't seem to shake. Actually, what I've learned um, over the years as I've grown older in my life, we tend to process fear in one of two ways. Either we, um, we try to uh, deny the reality of our fears, or we grow to realize just how much there is to fear. And for many of us, this is how we process fear in our life. Either we deny it, it can't happen, it's not going to happen, or we realize just how much there is to fear. But this morning, I want to actually share with you that there is a third option. Within Christ, there is a third way. And whether we fear everything or there is nothing to fear, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, God in control of everything? And if we ask that question, and if we lean in to really asking, is God in control of everything, we can live differently. If you and I this morning confidently say yes, that God is in control, we don't have to simply wish everything will be okay. We can actually know that all will actually turn out okay. And you may say, EJ, you seem so secure in this thought. You seem so secure in the aspect that God is in control of everything. So because of that, that irrational fear that you have, the false evidence, How do you actually let go of it? And why do you? And before we get deep into our text this morning, I want to say this. The fear will always be present. But the third option we have is this. That the security in Christ is not actually the absence of conflict. Because conflict will happen all around us. Fear will be there. Rather, it's the peace that you and I find in the midst of conflict. And what I want to present this morning through Psalm 124 is the best way to have peace in this conflict is to center our hearts and minds on what God is doing and has done, but also look at it in the context of how you and I can have peace within a group. 
And over the last uh, few weeks, uh, we've been journeying through two different series. One, a series uh, called uh, Assembly Required, where you and I need to gather together. And this is part two of a series called Built for More, where we're looking at life groups. And these life groups put the meat on the bone of our church family. One of the key practices within our groups is rehearsing together the favor of God and how he has moved in your life and in my life. Over the last year and a half, Abby, uh, my sweet wife, and our two kids, Ruth and Gideon, have found so much joy and so much life in our small group. And the text today is an antidote against living in the grip of fear. Psalm 124, I hope this morning, um, will very cleverly, and what we find often, uh, not so often within the text, uh, give us a way or a thought of reasoning that David points out that should unlock this fear. You know, David, all throughout um, the Psalms, talks about how he was encountering fear and things that he could fear. And one of the ways that he did this was uh, how he was going up against Goliath. Remember what David said to Saul, uh, 1 Samuel 17, 37, uh, says this, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. See, David, in this moment, I love how awesome it is because this is now what happens in Psalm 124. David recalls God's faithful presence and deliverance of the past. And he says, this is what God will do in the future. So David actually switches things up. And instead of saying, this is what God has done, he shares what God is doing and what he has done. Psalm 124 is radically different from the Psalms that we've been studying. It's um, a new weapon in an arsenal for you and me. Psalm 124 goes back into these past images of what God has faithfully done. So instead of imagining what God is doing, we can think of it like this, that instead of a godless future that is a total disaster, Psalm 124 imagines a God-filled past of disaster that never came. And the reason why Psalm 124 within our teaching team was so important for us to teach to each of you is because we want you to have a God-filled past and know about it, where the disaster and the power of the avoidance of that disaster never came. See, what David's going to show us is that all kinds of things could have gone wrong but they never did. There are scary things that could have happened. We could have fallen off the cliff to the left or the right, but God never allowed it to happen. And a result of this trust, David shows us that we can have a greater trust in God. A life lived and centered on him where we have nothing to fear. And I don't know about you this morning, but that's where I want to live. It's really hard to arrive at, I know, but I want to strive for that. I want to sit in that. I want to know that, and I hope you do, too. Pops this morning shared the big idea that with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. We, just, we don't have anything to fear. We may have irrational thoughts, but it is false evidence appearing to be real. If we read the end of the book in Revelation, we know who wins. We know who conquers. It's the steps that we take in that time that are in our control, and that we have to surrender to God. This morning, I want to learn three things from the psalm in the context of group life, and the first one is that together we need to ponder the favor of God. 
Psalm 124 is a psalm of ascent, a psalm that means going up. There are actually 15 of these, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And scripture writers within these songs of ascent believe that they were sung consistently as people went up to Jerusalem. If you don't know, Jerusalem is a city on top of a hill, and anyone who travels there has to go up. So in Psalm 124, there is this song of ascent where they're leading up to this great feast of the tabernacles, and David is reminding the people who he is with what God has done. One of the beautiful things of this psalm is that God is literally through us reminding people to be compelled and think that the favor of God has constantly been upon them. Matt wrote, uh, read uh, Psalm 124 for us, but let's do that again. Let's dig into it here. Psalm 124, verses 1 through 5. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then let, let Israel now say it. He's saying, if God hasn't been on our side, somebody now speak up. Somebody say something. Somebody announce that he hasn't been for us. If they had not been for the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, and then over us would have gone the raging waters. So imagine David walking with the folks as they're going in this psalm of ascent. And the key to the opening sentence here is that David is pointing out what God has done. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, the leader here, David, invites the community in. It would be like if right now I asked each and every one of you to raise your hands and say, has God moved on our half before? Has God protected us? Has he allowed us to prosper and be fruitful? And if God hasn't done that, I would have said, go ahead and raise your hands, stand up and tell us why. But nobody stood up and nobody answered. See, David is reminding them that God is consistently there. And that's what David wants us to do. Church family, the first thing we have to do is, if we're going to conquer this debilitating, paralyzing, pervasive condition of imagining the very worst thing that consistently could happen, is to know and repeat to ourselves that the Lord is on our side, that the Lord is for us. And that's why groups are so important. You know, the privilege that I have uh, pastoring is over years you sit down with groups of people and um, people one-on-one -on -one and they begin to describe their life, their story. And I always come across, I shouldn't say always, a couple times a year I come across a person who, as they tell their story, it is full of calamity. It is full of bumps in the roads, things that are absolutely and have absolutely spun out of control. And when I hear those stories... I often find that they leave one big thing out, and that's God. See, what the psalmist is doing this morning is reminding us 
that there is a option, there is a way that you and I need to remember our past. It's extremely important. In the book, um, The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work, clinical doctor John Gottam writes about marriages that are in trouble. And I don't know about you, I've been married to my sweet wife uh, for 12 years now, and as we grow together, um, we have had some tough times. John describes that as a couple is entrenched in this negative view of their reality, when they don't see how God is in the center of everything, that their marriage actually has the conversation and the opportunity to rewrite the past for the worst. He says in a happy marriage, he sees that couples often look back on their early days fondly, that everything is great, that the wedding was a success, that the first few years that they had kids was joyfully tough. There were late nights and early mornings, but they were so rewarding, that their fights were short and quick, that things did not spin out of control when they faced calamity. And John says, the way that they see their past is healthy and God-centered. But he said, when marriages are in trouble, I have often seen two other things happen. Either people will remember the low points that they are facing, every major event, that he was 30 minutes late to our rehearsal dinner, that he never bring, brought flowers, that she never cooked me a, a nice meal when I got the promotion, that she was always nagging me. And they'll focus on the low points within their marriage. They'll remember their past, and they'll rewrite it each time worse and worse. The reason that I bring this up to illustrate this morning and remembering that God has worked in our past is so that you and I, instead of rewriting our past for the worse, we rewrite it for the better. Psalm 124 invites us to rewrite it for the better in a God-centered way. Look at the text with me again, Psalm 124, uh, with an emphasis here in the second verse. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. When the people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us up alive. But they didn't. The psalmist reminds everyone about their past. If you were to go through the Old Testament right now, specifically um, the history uh, from Joshua to Esther, you would find filled with almost every page people who were against God and against God's people. And as they were against God's people, the psalmist here said they could have swallowed us up, but they didn't. He asks why, and this is how he answers it. He said, the Lord was on their side. See, the history that they could have remembered was that everything was terrible, that nobody was for God, but the psalmist here encourages us to say, no, there is a God who is on our side. But he just doesn't leave it there. He actually expounds on it in verse 4. He says this. He says, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. They would have taken us through the raging waters. See, he's using some metaphoric language here. Israel and the Israelites did not like the sea any more than a cat likes a bath. They absolutely hated it. They worked the land. They were fearful of the sea. It was chaotic, dangerous, and mysterious to them. But they had to go out on it. And as they went out on it, when they needed to fish and trade and travel, 
oftentimes they found themselves in this great danger in these raging waters. But the psalmist is doing something here. He's saying, why do I want you to remember this? Why do I want you to rewrite it? Because the Lord was on their side. He was on their side. He says, I want you to rewrite with Christ in the center of our story. And there's a reason this morning why I'm being so repetitious in saying these things over and over again, church family. It's so that you and I know that when we put Christ at the very center of it, when you and I actually sit back and we say, no, God, you protected us, it changes how we interact, especially with fear. Actually, I'll put it this way. Um, it's putting Christ or God at the center of our past and compelling us to think of disaster that could have been but wasn't. It could have been, but it wasn't. And that's where we want to sit in today. So the question I want to ask as we move forward into this next point is God at the center of your past. Have you seen how he has consistently worked on your side? Can you this morning go down memory lane and as you do, see how God's provision has consistently been for you? I was reminiscing early this morning as I was getting up and getting ready to come to beautiful Lake Orion here of the things that never came to pass but could have. Remembering that God was on my side. Why do I love our group so much and doing life with them? Because alongside of them, I get to ponder the love of God and how he is at the very center and favoring me in everything that we've done. And for some of you this morning, as you're here in the room or you're watching online, you may be saying, but EJ, my life is so full of regret. The past, I absolutely do not feel like God was on my side. Later in the message, I have something for you. The second thing that we should see this morning as we gather together in our groups is this, that we need to praise God for his protection. If you go with me to Psalm 124, verse 6 and 7, it says this. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey over to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. And the snare is broken, and we have escaped. He's reminding them of the great protection that they've had, that God has been on our side, and because of that, there is nothing to fear. The celebration of God at the very center of our lives goes on and on and on. The psalm writer says, Blessed be the Lord who has, given, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Humanity sought to swallow them up, take them over, but God did not give them up. He brings up this bird metaphor that it could have been ensnared in this trap. He points to us as small and defenseless, that you and I and everything we fear should trap and pull us down, yet it doesn't have to. The snare is broken and we have escaped. I try and remember often God's word 
in my preaching, not just through the specific of the text, but also how that you and I could fall in different areas all throughout. And scriptures consistently remind us of snares, but because of God's ever-present hand, he protects us. Look at these different um, 12 different scriptures uh, that have to do with uh, snares and traps. Uh, the, the, the trap of a false god. The snare of the wrong alliances in Exodus 34, 12. Evil work that is all around us. People's evil schemes that are against us. The traps that our own words can be. A seductive or forbidden woman. Rash vows, saying things too quickly that do not mean actually what we are vowing to. Doing things for dishonest gain. Friendships with a person who is given in to anger, fear of man versus God, the desire to be rich, or God himself to people bent on violence and evil. He says all throughout the scriptures, these are things that can trap and ensnare us. Yet, as Jesus tells us that the path of life is narrow, that we could fall to the left or right, he says, I have a way. He says, I can protect you from that. As a woman or a man could ruin our marriage, he says, I can protect you from that. That foolish words can ruin your career and the prospects ahead of you. But I will protect you from that. The desire for riches can overcome and poison your heart and send you far away from God. And I will protect you of that. The psalmist says, but those who walk with and who know God... He is on their side, that the snare is broken and they have escaped. The psalmist here is saying, we can see how the Lord has protected us. So within our group life, we need to praise him for protection. Uh, two weeks ago, Sunday, I was speaking at our uh, young adult service at the Troy campus. And uh, many of those young adults attend this wonderful campus here and I got a phone call right as I got out of the pulpit, and my wife had been asking me for Band-Aids. And I replied back, what do you need Band-Aids for? And she said, Ruthie fell, my little five-year-old, uh, sweet little girl. She said, Ruthie fell, and I said, what happened? She said, well, our small group, we all went out on a bike ride in the Paint Creek Trail, and one of the little guys behind uh, Ruthie was edging around to go faster and faster. And Ruthie, if you were to know her, she is competitive like her mama. And Ruthie decided that in her first six months of bike riding that she was going to hang on tight to the handlebars and she was going to pedal and stand up as fast as she could so that she could get ahead of those, those boys, right? And Ruthie took a very nasty spill. Praise the Lord, um, we were right near one of the houses of one of our small group members, Abby, who whisked her up on her bike, and one of the small group members in our group uh, took my little Gideon on, on the way. Ruthie got back to the house. They bandaged her up. She'd cut her face really bad or scraped her arm up. Her knees were both bloody and bruised. The inside of her lip was just mangled. And we took her in and got her checked out, and after she had gotten sick five or six times, we knew that she had got hurt pretty bad. And that night, she got better, and every two hours, we woke up with little Ruthie. And the next morning, as I got ready to, to head out for the day, and I left her in my sweet Abby's care, I went and grabbed her bike helmet. And this little purple and pink flowered helmet 
had about a half-inch indention in the upper left-hand side. It was cracked from the very front till about midway back. The foam in it was all dirtied and roughed up. But God protected my little girl. And this past Friday, as our small group met, I was showing off the picture of this helmet. And I said, look at how God protected Ruthie. I made sure to show it to eight of the other little kids and say, always wear your helmet. Amen? But I said, he went before us. He protected us. There was a snare, this dirt gravel path that could have gobbled some part of my little girl up, and he protected us. How has he protected you in the past? What has he kept you from? And who within your life have you rejoiced over it with? The snare that could have brought you down, he has freed and opened. And because of it, the psalmist reminds us that we are to share that. It could be as simple as that coffee table that never got run into. The job that you could have taken that would have moved your family across the world that you didn't. The investment that you could have entered in that turned out absolutely terrible and God at the very last minute said it's not the right thing to do. The guy or girl that you could have spent the rest of your life with and now yet you are blessed with an amazing spouse. How has he protected you today? And who are you sharing it with? There's a third thing that I want to leave you with this morning that you and I within group life can live out, and it's this, that you and I need to put your or our trust in God. See, the psalmist ends um, very, what I would say, abruptly, but very powerfully. In Psalm 124, verse 8, he says this, Our help... Who has protected us and kept us is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord. But let me draw some very specific attention that Pops drew earlier as our kids were learning about who Christ is. In every single verse of this song, there is strong communal life that is expressed as God protects us. There is a shared confession, a fellowship. There is no me, I, or mind. It is always we, us, or our. Look at it with me here. It says this throughout the whole psalm, if you can give me the next one. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, they would have swallowed us alive. The Lord has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped. Our help, our help, not just my help, not just your help, but collectively all of our help is in the name of the Lord. One of the greatest things and the reason that across all of our campuses 
and very much so here with the thriving life group community at Lake Orion that we push it over and over and over and is so essential to our Christian faith is because it gives us an opportunity to express communally the identity of God's people. One of the things that you and I are called through all throughout scriptures is to share what God is doing. And the reason that as God is protecting us, that you and I, especially within group life, need to share what God is doing is because you and I face moments that are deep, deep down in the valley and at the very top of the mountain peaks. And I don't know about you, but when I hear another brother or sister in my life who is going through a really rough time, the best encouragement that I can often give them is how God is either working in my life right now or has in the past. Amen? And when we're in these moments, God reminds us through the text this morning that we have to hear how God is on our side. That he is rewriting the past, protecting us in the present, and making us have a confident future. And in light of Psalm 124, this morning, I exhort you with as much passion and as much rigor as I can, even as a guest speaker this morning, to get into a group. You have to be in a group so that you and I can be reminded of how God is protecting us and using us, how he is doing amazing things through us. And I know that um, this morning I've been talking substantially about how God has protected us in our past. But I haven't always felt that way. I'm young and there is a lot of wisdom that I still need to gain. I look at some of your faces and I, I, I've known you over the years from being at our different campuses. I know the wisdom that God has given many of you. And I've also been privileged to hear some of the struggles of the past. That it didn't always seem like he was protecting you. And whether you're in that season right now or you were in the past, here's what I can say. That in those moments of my life or many of our lives that we have lived with regret, we regret the harsh words, the choices, the decisions, the moves, the additions or subtractions of things, the affairs in our lives, the addictions that we've had, the precious relationships that have been destroyed. The regret um, that may have been there from being absent as your kids grew. The regret of the thing that you should have done or said that you didn't. And the disaster that did come. If this morning, that's where you are stuck. And as for the last 25 minutes or so, I have shared about this protection. You've sat in your seat or watched online and said, 
that's just not the protection that I've had. Can I appeal to you this morning this? That you today can leave this place or close your laptop or your screen or the stream that you're watching and walk away with no regret. How and through who? The psalmist reminds us, our help comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord is on our side. The Lord Jesus Christ, who some 2,000 years ago took on the sin, the shame, and the regret that you and I, because of that sin and the separation that we had of God, were meant to carry, to walk in our day-to-day -day life with. Whether we have experienced that for six years or 60 years, he is on our side. And he is our help. I've often come at a point of decision with people where most people would say that their good deeds and the things that they have done will carry them forward. And when I ask the question, why should the Lord accept you into his presence and you should spend eternity with him? And they answer, because I'm a good person. I ask them if they're filled with any regrets of the life that they've lived. And many of them say, totally. And I try and reason with them as much as I can through the text. And maybe that's you this morning, so you can ponder this. That that regret, it can be no more. I was meeting him just before this COVID season with a, um, a man who was in his mid-40s. And he was um, battling an absolutely terrible illness. He had gone through treatment for, um, I, I think, almost two years. And he looked at me square in the eyes and he said, EJ, I know you're a man who's close to God. And I said, I, 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 said, I hope I am. He said, have I done enough? And I knew that his days were numbered and I looked back at him and I said, you haven't. I was glad that he was on oxygen because the deep breath that he took, I paused for too long with. And all laughs aside, I said, but he has, Jesus has. And the regret of not doing enough or not doing the right thing or making the right move or not making the right move or the sin that had inhabited you or I for so long does not need to be the story that we tell. So what do we do? We do what verse 8 says. We confess that our help is in the name of the Lord. Jesus gave up his relationship with God and took on our relationship. So the regret and the sin and the pain and the agony that we face, we didn't have to. 
That's why when he was on the cross, he cried out in agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the response was when the perfect son of God lost his life so that you and I could have life fully. If you don't know him today, I would love for the past, the regret that is in your life to be no longer. That the future that God is continuing to rewrite in each and every one of us be filled with our help who comes in the name of the Lord. And whether that's here or online, we would love to connect with you. The psalmist this morning reminds us that he is there in ever presence in our midst, that he has gone before us and done great things and protected of us. Our responsibility is to share that with one another so that as we do, whether it be within our group communities or our church family, we can say this is how the Lord protected us so that we can vibrantly share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen, church family. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in your goodness and your love and your mercy, especially today through the text, you remind us of what could have been but was not. That this thing that cripples so many of us called fear, the false evidence appearing to be real, doesn't have to be real because, God, you are in control. And God, my prayer is that as a faith community at this campus, across all of our campuses, and those who love and believe in you and the great work of Jesus across the world would share humbly and passionately that God, you are for us and not against us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people say. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.